Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Hey everyone, good to see you here today. If you're brand new with us, my name is Jeff and I'm the lead pastor here at Cross Community Church, but I'm on sabbatical this summer. Today, you have a great opportunity to hear a great preacher. Uh, Pastor Brian Robbins is an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene, and he has been serving down in Vicksburg, Michigan at our Chapman Nazarene Church. And I am excited for you to hear what God has laid on his heart. So today, can you give a great cross-community welcome to Pastor Brian Robbins as he comes to preach for us? Thanks, Brian, for filling in for me today. I pray God's blessing upon you. This is a story about Hadassah. But really, perhaps it's a story about you. You see, Hadassah was very, very young when she lost both of her parents. And she had no one else in her immediate family to take care of her. Except for a distant cousin who brought her under his wing and adopted her into his family. And over the years, Hadassah grew up in this context, an ancient context that is unfamiliar to us today. Really, uh, a a time and an age where children were seen as burdensome, as uh, something that you had to almost take care of as an object. And especially being a woman during this time period, it was incredibly difficult And so Hadassah grew up without a mother or a father, just a cousin, who was gracious to adopt her. In a time period that despised her for her gender and for her race. You see, Hadassah was Jewish. Another thing you should know about Hadassah is that she was beautiful. So beautiful, in fact... That the king of the land at this point in time noticed her beauty. See, Hadassah is probably better known to you as Queen Esther. And as Hadassah grew up in the household of Mordecai, her cousin, she eventually found herself in the position of queen of the land. You see, King Xerxes, at this point in time was probably one of the most powerful kings that had ever lived in the Persian Empire. I mean, this man was deity-esque. So much so that when he spoke a word, it was an edict and it could not be undone. What he said was permanent. 
And so uh, he has these grandiose parties. You're probably familiar with the book of Esther. It's an amazing narrative. And if you haven't read it in a while, I challenge each and every one of you in this room to read it this week. Because I can't cover all of it. But we know that uh, Queen Vashanti, Vashanti kind of makes King Xerxes angry by not showing up to the party. And so he disposes her from being queen. And he goes on this search for another queen. Who will it be? And all these young maidens are scooped up and they're given these treatments over the course of 12 months. These beauty treatments. And can you imagine the ego and the pride of such a man? No one single person should ever have that much power. How much this should have elevated into his head and who he thought, how he understood his own life. But nonetheless, this is the context that Hadassah grew up in. From orphan to queen, it's an amazing story of and in itself. I wish we had more time to talk about it this morning, but that is Queen Esther. And and the point really, right before our text for this morning, is this intersection of a man named Haman. Haman was second in command to King Xerxes. And Haman wanted some of that power, some of that control for himself. Haman wanted all the honor. Because, hey, I am second in power here and you need to bow down to me too. None of us in here are like that. you got to respect me because of my position too. And as we know, of course, Mordecai doesn't bow down to Haman. Sounds like a Daniel story, right? And Haman decides he's going to just wipe out. He's going to eradicate not just Mordecai, but his entire tribe of people. See, Mordecai was a fourth generation exile. Remember the King Nebuchadnezzar story? They come and they destroy the temple in Jerusalem and they they carry uh, the best of Jerusalem with them back to Babylon, right? And so uh, the generations have existed in Persia at this point and Mordecai is a a fourth generation. How many fourth generation Nazarenes in the building do we have this morning? Mordecai was a fourth generation exile. And he grew up in a foreign land, in a place that despised him because of his race, and because he was different. He was separate. And he wouldn't bow down and worship anything other than his God. So Haman convinces Xerxes with some slight misinformation. You you ever uh, not tell the full story? Well, Mordecai was the one who, like, saved the king from an assassination plot. And, like, he had all this honor and favor on his life. And then, all of a sudden, Haman's getting all of, not just Mordecai, but all of the Jews completely wiped out from the land. It'd be better for you, King Xerxes, if these rebellious, troublesome people were just gone. And so, Haman, we know, cast lots a purr in Hebrew, uh, and and on a particular day, the lot fell, and it was like, this is the day we're going to kill all of the Jews. And then King Xerxes issues a decree that cannot be revoked on this day. 
we are to kill and eradicate the land of the Jews. So do you think that Mordecai reached out to Queen Esther at this point in time? He reached out. He's like, we need your help. We need you to speak up. If anyone can, can help us in this great and troublesome time of need, it, it, it would be you, Queen Esther. But you see, think about Hadassah's, Esther's position. And she grew up orphaned in, in an unfamiliar kind of family, and then she somehow gets elevated, really taken to the position of maiden, harem, and then eventually queen. Uh, the previous queen was disposed, right? She was uh, kicked out. And this king is pretty serious. He sees himself almost like a god, the most powerful, certainly the most powerful person at this point in history. And you can only talk to this king at certain points in time when you're summoned. And so in order for Esther to petition to the king to help save her people, she has to go to him unsummoned. And so there's another ridiculous law at this point in time that if you come to the king without being summoned, uh, you take death upon yourself. Imagine that, right? If Pastor Jeff was like, without me summoning you and tapping your shoulder with my golden scepter, that, you know, that, that was the, that was the era, that was the time frame, this is the chaos in exile in which Hadassah grew up, in which she found herself now in a kingdom that was foreign to her. And so that should bring us right up into the point of our text for today. I'll be reading from Esther, chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. Would you stand with me as we read from the Word of God this morning? Verse 12. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God, I thank you for your word in this moment. God, I pray that you would just settle your word among us. May it accomplish the purpose and the task for which you're drawing it forth. May it not return to you void. May you use me as a conduit for your voice this morning. Lord, speak, for your servants are listening. Amen. You may be seated. It is an honor and it is a privilege to worship with you all this morning. Thank you for your kindness and hospitality. I felt very welcomed here. And I do have a history throughout the years with this church. And this church has been gracious to not only me, but my entire family. So thank you. It, it is a wonderful privilege to worship with you all this morning. You know, I was thinking about what to share with you as, as you've been on this journey. And if my math is correct, you're just now entering a little over halfway through the sabbatical point. And so Jeff is, he's coming back. I've, I've uh, rest assured, there's a promise that he is coming back. 
But you've had some amazing help along the way. In fact, I was able to listen to Pastor Kyle's message uh, from June 25th before this morning. Just to kind of give an idea as to where you guys have been and where you're at and where you're moving towards. And man, great message, Kyle. Ah, whose faith? This has stuck with me. Whose faith saved the paralytic? Who brought you to Jesus? And who will you bring to Jesus? That's, we could just, we could stay right there. I don't have to say anything. Are we on mission? Are we on mission? Are you on point? What kind of a mission are you on this morning? You know, for the first time in history, other countries are actually sending missionaries into United States. The church in America is changing at such an incredibly rapid rate that we have to, we have to, we must change our tactics. And our tactics have become missional tactics, highly relational missional you know it worked with the big event and you bring people in and that still does work but more than anything now in a post-modern post-christian context that we live in here in america we have to go out and we have to build relationships you are going to have to be jesus for such a time as this If you like sermon titles, that's my title. For such a time as this, you can go ahead and label your notes or whatever it is that you may take this morning, or just listen. I like to just listen. But I'm going to jump back into verses 12 and 13. Mordecai uh, kind of says this to Esther, Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. Do not think that just because you are in a position of privilege that you alone of everyone else will escape. Your current circumstances do not define your ultimate reality. This is a reality check of sorts for Queen Esther. Not that she needs it because of where she's been and where she's at now. I mean, come on somebody. What a life. But your current circumstances, where you are right now, doesn't determine where you'll be at in the future and what is ultimately real in this life. Don't think that just because of your position or your status or your class or your race or your gender or your ethnicity or your family that you are exempt from all other things, consequences therein. Don't you know who I am? I mean, isn't that like kind of the the plot of the antagonist in every movie? Like, don't you know who I am? They have these these pride-filled sorts of conversations like, oh, I'm part of this family. You can't do that to me. This is as true for Esther as it will be for Haman, second in command. It's an incredible plot twist, this story. But Mordecai is offering... Queen Esther, a reality check. And for her, 
fear was prompting her current response. This is a story about Queen Esther. Perhaps a story about you too. Is fear a factor in your current response to what God is calling you towards? What he's moving you towards? I'm too nervous. I could never do that. I'm scared of this. I'm fill in the blank. Fear cannot be a prompt, a proper condition to which you're responding, some kind of excuse for you to not be doing something. Oh, I could never because of. We were just with uh, Dr. Busick this last week or so ago, and he shared with us that he ordained a woman outside the United States who is 90 years old. I could never be a pastor. I'm too old. 90. Course of study at 90. Come on. What is God calling you to? What is he moving you towards? Don't allow fear to be your response. Uh, Verse 14, I'm going to divide into three sections because I think it's incredibly important what Mordecai says to Hadassah in these moments. He says this at the beginning of 14, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. This is an amazing promise that we've seen answered over and over and over again throughout history. It's incredible. Uh, like this, The reality of this statement should increase your faith. I'll explain more in just a second. But he says this, If you remain silent, yes, that would really stink. But... Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Here's the truth this morning. You in this room are a part of God's plan A. Alright? Some of you have plan A, and that, if that doesn't work out, you have plan B. And if that doesn't work out, you have like plan C and D and E. But God only has one plan. It's plan A. And you are a part of His plan A. God doesn't change His plans. You just decide whether or not you want to be a part of His plan. Some of you are like, what's God's plan A? (laughs) I'm following plan B for plan Brian. You know? And that's the problem. You see, God's plan A began with the nation of Israel thousands of years ago. Do you think... Like God's plan A culminating in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost on all people necessitates a hundred million plan Brian's. There's only one plan, you guys. There's only one boat. There's only one ship. Here's the fact. When God poured out His Spirit on all people, God has been moving the last 2,000 years in a way that we could never fathom. We grew up in this context, so it's difficult for us to understand. But He is everywhere moving, constantly going before you in all things. This should give you great comfort. God is already at work in the life of the individual that you think that he might be calling you to speak towards, to speak to. 
Okay? You're not coming up with new material. Sometimes we think that like, oh, now that I'm here, this is a, a completely new way to think about missions too. Missionaries are making this shift. And that God is already at work in this foreign land well before I got here. And that he'll be at work well after you leave. God is at work. He's at work in everyone's life. When, when scripture says that he was poured out on Pasasarks, that is all flesh. It is unlimited there's a difference between being poured out on and being filled up. And I don't have time to go into that this morning. But hopefully we're filled up in this place. So that we can go pour out on other people. But God's already at work in their life. And a part of our responsibility as a kingdom of priests is discerning what God is already up to in your neighborhoods. God, how are you already at work in this place? And how might I be able to join your initiatives? Oh man, don't get me started. So many churches come in. There's like 10 churches already in this and they're like going to come in and they're going to plant right next to another church because we've got the answers and we've got the programs and we've got all the things. You guys, that doesn't work. That's why there's so many churches planted right next to each other. We're not figuring out what God is already up to in the place. The first thing you need to do is wait and do the hard work of listening and praying into God, how do you want to move in this neighborhood? How are you already at work? And how might I join your plan A? Because plan Brian isn't going to work. It might look like it's working, but it's not going to work. Plan A is what works. So many churches find themselves kicking against plan A. This is a difficult word I'm offering right now. Because it can look very successful in some places. But God has one plan. It's plan A. And it's up to us, kingdom of priests, a royal sainthood in this room, to discern how he's moving. Lest we find ourselves kicking against the very spirit of God. Who in this room wants to fight God? In this This is the great work and the great task that is set before us. Some of you don't think, I don't have anything to offer. There's nothing I can do. There's not any way that I can minister. Some of you in here, you don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do. What, what can? I, and here's the problem with both of those things is that you're beginning with you. I, I, I've spent the majority of my professional career working with youth. And they have no idea what they want to do when they come and meet with me. Most of them still don't know what they I don't know what I want to do. It's not about what you want to do. It's about what God wants to do and how you might come alongside Him. We have to start with Him. Not us. So throughout history, there have been many evil Hamans of sorts. These second lieutenant in command people that, that try to eradicate God's chosen people. Haman certainly was not the first person to attempt to kill all the Jews as we know. And he certainly would not be the last recall 
just within the last three decades. It was Saddam Hussein who boasted that he would burn half of Israel with Scud missiles. And in the most unusual way, Allies intervened with haste, allowing only minimal casualties. It's really, really interesting if you go back and look at this entire catastrophe. Known by many as just this, uh, the Desert Storm War era in the early 90s. Saddam Hussein surrendered on Purim. And maybe you don't know what that is in this room. But Pur, in Hebrew, remember, is Lot. It's the Feast of Lots. And so for over 2,300 years, the Hebrew people have been celebrating Purim every year. They, like, dress up and give gifts and, like, all the things. It was just last, I think, March 7th they celebrated Purim. They're on a lunar calendar. But Purim, interestingly, is the day in which they celebrate Queen Esther's victory and success over Haman, her fast and her success. Sometimes I don't think that timing is a coincidence. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Do not remain. Everyone in the, say silent with me. Silent. He continues in verse 14, but you and your father's family will perish. You see, silence comes with a consequence. Some of us talk too much, but some of us don't talk enough. Although God's plan is dependent upon you, he can also work without you, rest assured. That should be comforting to us because I fail a lot. I don't know about you. But it doesn't come without a cost. God created you for a purpose. God created you to work alongside His initiatives, not yours. You see, inaction, silence, inaction perpetuates injustice. You in this room do not have the luxury of ignorance or indifference. It's not something that, that you can fall back on. Well, it's their problem. I'm in the king's household now. It's their problem. History informs us that An unwillingness to act on behalf of another. When we had the power to do so makes us just as guilty as the perpetrators themselves. Silence. Hitler and the Nazis killed at least 6 million Jews in the final solution. Which is over 60% of all the Jews in the world at that point in time. Keep in mind that German that the German army was made up predominantly really of, of, of good people, country folk, strong patriotic citizens. The far majority were professing Christians. 
how in the world do you commit an atrocity as sizable as this? Silence. So it makes the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of the first German citizens to speak up, so incredibly powerful. If you don't know his story, get to know his story, because he's a martyr of the church, and he will be an encouragement to you, I guarantee it. And don't just point the finger at Germany and say, no way could this ever happen to us. Because I know that's what some of you in here are thinking. Keep in mind that our own, our own nation's tumultuous past is not without spot and wrinkle. During the Civil War, both the Northern and Southern armies had Wesleyan, Methodist, holiness preachers backing each of their unyielding positions with Scripture. It's easy to look back now and see clearly. But in the moment of God's plan A, it takes a lot of work to discern where he's moving and what he's doing and what he's up to. And it might be really difficult. And you might have to do something that's a little scary. You might have to do something that's a little risky. You might have to do something that will cost you your life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this in Life Together. When God calls you, he bids you come and die. It's never as easy or as simple as you think it is in the midst of the storm, my friends. In Esther 14, and who knows, Esther, says Mordecai, who knows, Hadassah, that you've come to your royal position for such a time as this. For such a time as this, we are together in this room. For such a time as this, in our culture, in our society, for such a time as this, you're being called forth. What is God calling you to this morning? I don't believe it's an accident that you're here, that you're in this place, that this is your community How have you been discerning what he's up to in your own life? Do you believe there's still work to be done? Do you believe that there's still people that he can use you to reach? Is he challenging you to think differently on a certain topic? And I don't know, do you, do you realize in this place your position of royalty? Do you realize that you, every one of you in this room, are in a position of royalty this morning? You're in a position of influence. You're in a position of great power. Some of you don't believe me. You already read from Romans 8 this morning. Let's pull this text back up. It's right before it. It says this in verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children to, uh, children to God. You are, you are God's children. And the Spirit that you received does not make you slaves so that you live again in fear. You don't respond to fear. Fear has no hold in your life. There's no place for fear. In this room, 
as a child of God. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption. This is a legal Roman contract. Legally, you were adopted as a son and a daughter of God. And by him we cry, Abba, which means father in Aramaic. And the spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. And this is what Paul says. I can't even hardly believe this statement. But imagine what he's saying here. That if we are children of God, then we are heirs. Heirs to God and co-heirs with Christ. With the Christos. With the Messiah. With Jesus. The Mashiach. You're alongside Jesus. As a co-heir to God. If. Everyone say if. Indeed, we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. Oh, Paul, with the if-then statements. If you don't respond to fear. If you don't succumb to silence. If you speak up and you discern and you do the hard work of discerning God's initiatives. You will share in the glory of the Messiah. And this is perhaps my favorite. Peter says this in 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession. And, and he's calling you. He called you out of a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. You are a kingdom people. This is your calling. This is who you are. You come to the table in a position of royalty this morning. In a position of great power. Better than any political backing that you could ever come to the table with. You are God's child. A royal priesthood. If you don't understand anything else that I said this morning. Your number one vocation Okay, when God calls you, your number one vocation in being a human is that of priest. You're a part of a priesthood, a royal priesthood. And the priest is different than a prophet. A prophet was the mouthpiece of God, right? But the priest was on behalf of the people to God. How much more in this room must we be priests today in our own neighborhoods I could never. You see, your potential, it is endless, really limited only by your own imagination. Your capacity for leadership is unprecedented, necessary in every way in today's world, limited really only by your own vision for this life. But your calling, your calling is irrevocable. When God calls, he's not going to stop calling you. It's up to you whether or not you're going to receive that call. And who knows? But that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. You see, Hadassah responded to her royal position for such a time as this. And the question really is, will you respond to your royal position for such 
a time as this. See, this is, this is a story about Hadassah. But really, it's a story about you. For such a time as this. Thank you, Pastor Brian. Can we thank Brian for sharing with us this morning? Church, are we on mission? We've heard a good challenge this morning. We're God's plan A. He could do things however he wanted to do them. But for whatever reason, God chooses to use us as his plan A to engage the world. But it requires us saying yes to that call. I love there's still work to be done. And may we use our royal position to serve and to save our world. We've heard a good word this morning. Thank you, Brian, for sharing with us from the scriptures. You're not going to want to miss next Sunday at Cross Community. Um, Dr. Jeff Stark is going to be with us. Uh, Dr. Stark is a missional theologian from Olivet Nazarene University. He's a professor there. Um, I'm currently reading one of his books, The News is Good, and the book is also really good. I'm sure he'll have that with him. He's not here to sell his book, but he's here to share his passion with us for evangelism and how we do that in our modern context. So you're not going to want to miss that next week. Um, But I want to invite you this morning uh, to stand with me as we pray as we go. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Brian's words for us this morning, words that remind us of the story of your good news. I pray that we would receive the challenge that we've heard from your story and realize and embrace our call to be your ambassadors in our world. God, may we set aside our fears. May we set aside the things that get in the way for the sake of being You are representatives of your kingdom in this world. May we become more concerned, God, about our broken world than the obstacles that so often get in the way. God, we know you're already at work, and so we ask that you would help us to listen. Help us to ask, how do you want us to join you in the mission that you are already accomplishing? Jesus, help us to hear your call to love our world, to say yes to who you are and to who you've called us to be. Help us to be priests in our world. May we not be silent, Father, but may we speak your life and your love. It's in your name I pray. Amen. May I send you out with this blessing as you go. May the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Go in his peace. Thank you for being here. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.